heaven. Thank you for the Sabbath day. Thank you for this time that you have blessed and sanctified and set apart for us. A time when we can come together and commune with you and worship you. And to thank you for all that you have done for each one of us. Thank you for the gift of life and the promise of life eternal. So bless us now as we continue to learn more about health and the gospel and draw closer to Jesus than we ever have before. And I pray that you will bless. Bless me, use me, Lord. Touch me with your divine power. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, lunch was wonderful, wasn't it? (laughs) I think the volume might be just a little high um, because I know my voice is going to go up. But let's begin... Oh, they're still working on it. These pictures are so pretty, and it helps tell the story, so I think it's warming up. I hear something going. Yeah. So let's see. I said that this meeting was mandatory, and (laughs) I I think we got 15%. But hey, it's the remnant, the little remnant, right? (laughs) The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. (laughs) So here we go. In Genesis 1.26, the Bible says that God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply... And he also gave a diet, didn't he? Right in the beginning, when God made man, he gave us a health program, and I said, good nutrition. And the program was the following. Genesis 1.29 says, And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed, and every tree in the which is a fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And every tree of the garden you may freely eat. There was the tree of life. The Bible says in Genesis 2, 9, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. The Bible says, And by the river upon the bank thereof, and on this side and that side, shall grow all the trees for meat. It shall bring forth new fruit according to its months. Because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, right? And the leaf thereof for medicine. And as you look at the Hebrew word for medicine, terafal, it also translates healing. So the Lord had given them every tree that was good for food, Good for meat, the Bible says, and also it says the leaves for healing. So if you take Ezekiel 47, 12 and put it side by side with Revelation 22, 1 and 2, you see the same picture pretty much. On the river, upon the bank thereof, this side and that side, on Revelation 22, it says on either side of the river, there was the tree of life. 
And it says that it would bear its new fruit according to the months. In Revelation 22, it says, which bear 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And then it says, and the meat and the leaf thereof for medicine. And then in Revelation 22, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. Isn't that powerful? So now watch this. Is God going to give us all plums in January? Or do you think every month there will be 12 varieties? So you like the peaches, and I like the mangoes, and you like the cherries, and somebody else likes the pomegranates. But God's providing for us these fruits every month. Let's talk about healing leaves for a minute. This is from the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. That the fruit of the papaya leaves, the pawpaw tree, it says the fruit of this tree are consumed as food and as medicine. Dried and powdered stems and leaves are used to prepare medicinal teas against infection and to improve digestion. Papaya leaves also enhance the immune system, improve platelet function, prevent chemotherapy-related adverse effects. Papaya leaves exhibit anti-tumor immunomodulatory antioxidant effects in vitro, and the leaf extracts contain antibacterial compounds. Papaya leaves increase thrombocyte counts. Isn't that amazing? You'd think of the fruit, but these are the leaves. If you look at the olive leaf, scientists have isolated the unique molecule that provides olives and leaves with its multitude of health and life-extending benefits, known as allurapine. It is the polyphenol that can help lower bad cholesterol and blood pressure, prevent cancer, protect against oxidative damage, help guard against cognitive decline. Allurapine is also responsible for olive oils, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and disease-fighting characteristics. In fact, when allurapine was given to animals with tumors, the tumors completely regressed and disappeared in 9 to 12 days. Latest studies reveal olive leaves, benefits, additional anti-inflammatory antioxidant properties offer promise in fighting atherosclerosis, diabetes, cancer, neurodegenerative diseases, and even arthritis. Allurapine and olive leaf extracts have numerous other mechanisms of action against cancer. They help prevent inflammation, another major promoter of tumor growth. Isn't that amazing? Makes you want to go out and say, I want to get a bottle of olive leaf extract. I want to start taking it. You know, I was so excited when I read this information that when I was taking a walk down our country street one day, there's all these olive leaves on the side, and I was picking the leaves and chewing them. Very bitter. Very bitter. And I said, ooh, I think I'd powder, put them in a capsule and swallow them down. They were very bitter. But in breast cancer cells, specifically, allurapine reduced malignant cells' ability to respond to estrogen, the female hormone that many breast cancer cells depend on for their survival. Powerful information. Allurapine inhibits the production of protein-melting enzymes that cancer cells need in order to invade healthy tissues and metastasize the different parts of the body. What about tea tree oil? 
You got papaya leaves, you got olive leaves. The tea tree oil is an essential oil with a fresh camphoraceous odor. It's taken from the what? The leaves of the Melaleuca alternifolia, which is native to Australia. And some of the uses for tea tree oil are local antiseptic. It's good if you get a cut and you want to use it. Sometimes people use peroxide. Sometimes they'll use tea tree oil. Acne, insect bites, ringworm, lice, scabies, athlete's foot, recurrent herpes, vaginal infections, toothache, infections of the mouth, sore throat, ear infections. Isn't that amazing? What about eucalyptus leaves? Take warm foot baths in which we have been put the leaves of the eucalyptus tree. This is great virtue. There's great virtue in these leaves. And if you try this, you will prove my words to be true. That was a letter 20, 1909 by Ellen G. White. The oil of the eucalyptus is especially beneficial in cases of cough and pains in the chest and the lungs. I want you to make a trial of this remedy, which is so simple and which costs you nothing. Wow. It makes me want to open this little bottle of eucalyptus oil and put some under my nostrils while I preach. Mm. I put it on the rocks and the sauna. I put it on a towel under the emitter in a steam room I put drops in boiling water and use the vapors and aromatherapy to help clear the lungs, the sinuses, helps with colds and cough. I found the application of eucalyptus leaves to a wounded part is good in allaying inflammation and drawing out poison. Pulverized charcoal from eucalyptus wood <clears throat> we've used freely in cases of inflammation. How about a natural cough syrup? I cannot advise any remedy for her cough better than eucalyptus and honey. Into a tumbler of honey, put a few drops of the eucalyptus, stir it up well, and take whenever the cough comes on. I have had considerable trouble with my throat, but whenever I use this, I overcome the difficulty very quickly. I have to use it only a few times and the cough's removed. If you, you will use this prescription, notice that, <laughs> prescription, you may be your own physician. If the first trial does not affect a cure, try it again. The best time to take it is before retiring. What about ginkgo biloba leaves? It's good for cerebral vascular deficiency, peripheral peripheral vascular deficiency. In other words, it's going to increase blood circulation to the extremities and also to your head. That's why ginkgo's been promoted for, you know, poor memory, um, people that need more blood circulation to their brain, all right? Um, more focus, concentration. It's very important to get that blood to your head. I remember Dr. Richard Schultz taught us in one of his crusades, he says, ginkgo biloba is very good for the brain. Kiana, get it there. So mix the two together. Isn't that interesting? Increases circulation. 
inhibits platelet aggregation, post-stroke to get more blood circulation to the head. Varicose veins, it helps with the integrity of the veins and the arteries. Hemorrhoids, Alzheimer's, poor memory, inner ear dysfunction, impotence. Dr. Schultz used to say, if you want to help heal an area of the body, get more blood there. So even with impotence. <clears throat> but when God created man, he put him into a garden, and there was the tree of life. And the fruit of the tree of life in the garden of Eden possessed supernatural virtue. <clears throat> to eat of it was to live forever. Its fruit was the antidote of death. Have you ever read this next sentence? sentence? Its leaves were for the sustaining of life and immortality. The leaves? The leaves. Isn't that amazing? And God has given us all these leaves of the trees that are beneficial today. But when you look at that tree of life, we don't have access to it anymore, do we? Or do we? See, the tree of life signifies Christ as life to man. There's a supernatural God and his son Jesus hung on a tree. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He's the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we're healed. Christ is the source of our life, the source of immortality. He is the tree of life. And to all who come to him, he gives spiritual life. Review and Herald, January 26, 1897. So do you know the story of the myrrh and the aloe? Remember I told you at the 11 o'clock service, I'm going to show you something that I believe you probably have never heard. Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate came, gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe. About a hundred pound weight. So they took then the body of Jesus, wound it in the linen clothes with the spices, with the herbs, the myrrh and the aloe, as the manner of the Jews was to bury. <clears throat> the body together with the spices brought by Nicodemus was carefully wrapped in a linen sheet and the Redeemer was born to the tomb. And there the three disciples straightened the mangled limbs and folded the bruised hands upon the pulse, pulseless breath, desire of ages. So you know the story of Joseph when they threw him into the pit. We all know that story, right? The jealous brothers left him there to possibly die. Well, the story says in Genesis 37, 25, and they took him, Joseph, and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh. 
Remember they laid Jesus in the myrrh and the aloe? Well, they were going to carry it down to Egypt, right? But they have this balm, this spicery, and this myrrh. And a balm is an aromatic medicinal substance derived from plants. Gilead was an area east of the Jordan River, well known for its spices and the ointments. The balm of Gilead, this is where they get that name. These Ishmaelites carrying their balm with the myrrh. But this balm of Gilead was therefore a high-quality ointment with healing properties. The balm was made from resin, although the exact species is unknown. The Bible uses the term of balm of Gilead metaphorically as an example of something with healing and soothing powers. So you think of the myrrh. You think of the balm of Gilead. Now watch this. So myrrh is an aromatic resin of a number of small thorny, notice, tree species of the genus Comifora, which is an essential oil termed an oleoresin. It's like we're reading about that olive leaf extract again. So myrrh resin is a natural gum. Myrrh resin has been used throughout history as a And I want you to remember these. Perfume, incense, and medicine. So when a tree wound penetrates through the bark and into the sapwood, the tree bleeds a resin. When people harvest myrrh, they wound the trees repeatedly to bleed them of the gum. Christ is the great physician, not only of the body, but of the soul. He restores man to his God, and God permitted his only begotten son to be bruised, that healing properties might flow forth from him to cure all the diseases. So Christ's blood is the balm of Gilead. Isn't that powerful? That's beautiful. Jeremiah 8.22 says, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? The atoning sacrifice is full and sufficient. It's the new covenant, sealed with his blood, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. And notice, 12 manuscript, 8. She says, it is the balm of Gilead, which God has provided to restore health and soundness to the sin-stricken soul. Jesus is the great physician, and he can cure all the maladies of the soul. So remember, he was the perfume. The myrrh, the balm, was used as a perfume. How is Christ a perfume for us? The Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us, and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So what sweetness flowed from his very presence? The same spirit will be revealed in his children. Those with whom Christ dwells will be surrounded with the divine atmosphere. Their white robes of purity will be fragrant with perfume from the garden of the Lord. Their faces will reflect light from his, brightening the path for stumbling and weary feet. You know, at Bella Vida Lifestyle Center, I call it, you know, the medical missionary work. 
But you know what I really learned there? As you get people that are sick and suffering and dying and hopeless and they've been molested and they've been raped and they've been abused and I've seen scars on the back. One lady had her ears were in two pieces. Her husband was a policeman and he would get so angry he grabbed her by the earrings once and ripped them out of her ears. And scars all over her body and burn marks on people when they were children. The cruelty that I see running a lifestyle center. And you know what else? I call it the ministry of compassion. Compassion. See, and 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 I, 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 when I was learning and, and praying to God and asking how to set up this lifestyle center, I read where Jesus weeped with those that weep and laugh with those that laugh. He came close to the people. And when I asked him, how many people can I take at the lifestyle center? How many should I take? And you know what his answer was to me through the still small voice that speaks to the counselor, to the conscience? You know what he said to me? I took 12. Isn't that powerful? So that intimacy that will develop in 12 at a time is all you need. You don't need Battle Creek with 100 beds. That burned down, by the way. Okay? We need to keep it small, intimate, so you can really get involved with the patient and with the person. So Christ, as the balm of Gilead is a perfume, he's also the incense. As the myrrh, as the balm of Gilead was used as a perfume and an incense, so Christ is as the incense for us, metaphorically. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. So Christ, your mediator, stands before the Father to present your prayers as fragrant incense, mingled with his own merit and spotless righteousness. The silent, fervent prayer of the soul will rise like holy incense to the throne of grace where it will be acceptable to God as if offered in the sanctuary. So he's the perfume, he's the incense, he's the medicine. This is one of my favorite promises on healing in the word of God. Bless the, the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all thy iniquities and heals all thy diseases. There again you see it. The spiritual healing, the physical healing linked together in that verse. So there are souls who have lost their courage. Speak to them. Pray for them. There are those who need the bread of life. Read to them from the word of God. There is a soul sickness no balm can reach, no medicine heal. Pray for these and bring them to Jesus Christ. And in all your work, Christ will be present to make impressions upon human hearts. So you see the aloe, that they'd beat the tree, that it would bleed the, the balm, the gum, that would heal people of their wounds. And Jesus hung on a tree, and he was bled, that through his blood we can be healed from our iniquities. What about the aloe? This is amazing information. 
Well, let me go back here. As gardens by the riverside, as the trees of the line aloes, which the Lord has planted. You know, I was sitting there saying, wow, this presentation's on the leaves of the trees, but my aloe's a bush. It's a little one, you know? Grows from the ground. No, but in the biblical times, there's a picture of an aloe tree. So, the earliest doctors seem to have been Romans. Pedanius Dioscorides, a Roman physician, traveled with the Roman armies and wrote a commentary in 41 to 68 AD of the uses he had found from aloe vera. Particularly handy for boils, skin conditions, <clears throat> including ulcers and bleeding wounds. Aloe can be used internally for gums, throat, tonsil problems. It has antibiotic healing properties. I think we've, many of you in this room have used aloe vera, haven't you? What did you use it for, first of all? Sunburns, right? I like to keep a bottle of aloe gel in the refrigerator so if there is a burn, it's not only the healing properties of the aloe but also the coolness. That cool feels good on there. But many times at Bella Vida, I'll just go out and cut myself a leaf off of the aloe vera plant. And you know how to do it. You just fillet it. And you open it up. Now, one thing you'll learn about aloe vera is the outer leaf, the green, that's as a purgative. It's going to help the bowels move. Like senna, cascara sagrada, aloe is a powerful bowel stimulant to cause peristalsis to empty the bowels. I use aloe and I call it, it's like a herb that has such dynamite in it. It's going to blow them out. <laughs> okay? But the inside of the gel, the, the soft, liquidy, slimy part is the part that also has great healing properties internally and externally on the body. I'll take an aloe, fillet it, you wrap it around somebody's wound. They're open sore. And wrap plastic wrap around that wound. So you, you know, secure it. You also keep it from leaking out with the plastic. All right? And we do this many times at Bella Vida when we're using applications of poultices and, and charcoal poultices, castor oil packs, things of this nature. So the aloe vera gel itself is great for burns, but it's also great for the stomach. It's great for digestion. People that take concentrates of aloe vera use it even in cancer therapies, arthritic therapies. Aloe vera, as you're going to see, is very powerful in one way that you probably may not know, it's known that an extract from aloe vera gel, when injected into the human bloodstream, did you hear me? <clears throat> Greatly multiplies the oxygen transportation and diffusion capabilities of red blood cells. It boosts the oxygenation of the blood. So in other words... If a patient is losing a tremendous amount of blood, such as a soldier who's wounded on the battlefield, they can be injected with a small amount of extract taken 
from the aloe vera plant. And this extract will then quickly diffuse throughout the bloodstream and multiply the effectiveness of the blood remaining in the person's system. Effectively, this aloe vera extract makes that blood that's then left in the body function as if it were a full supply of blood. Isn't it interesting? The Bible says about Christ's body, thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. He didn't break down. He didn't degenerate. Did the aloe have anything to do with it? I'm going to ask him when I see him. The myrrh, they didn't embalm Jesus. But they put on the myrrh, they put on the aloe, they wrapped them in the linen, a hundred pound weight. Amazing. So in the beginning, God gave the tree of life. And because of sin, man lost access to the tree of life. On, or in Genesis 3.22, the Lord said, Behold, the man's become one of us to know good and evil, and now, lest he put forth his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and the flaming sword, which turned every man to keep the way of the tree of life. So the Lord blocks access to the tree of life so that there's not an immortal sinner. But Revelation tells us that there is again the time coming where we will have access again to that tree of life in the earth made new, right? It says there that he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I love this. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the garden. And then it goes on to explain that it bears 12 manner of fruits, a new one every month. And it then says in 22.14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. So how do we get back to Eden? How do we get back to where we will be those people that can access that tree of life? It's because Jesus has spanned the gulf because he died on a tree for us. Look at this statement. Through Christ, restoration as well as reconciliation is provided for man. The gulf that was made by sin has been spanned by the cross of Calvary. Praise Jesus. See, Adam lost access to the tree of life, but because of the second Adam, Danny can have access once again to the tree of life. Because I've accepted Christ as my spiritual tree and immortality through the death and resurrection of Jesus and through his perfect righteousness, I get to make it to the heavens and the earth made new to eat of that tree again. Yes. The salvation, does it occur to you what God has promised to those that love him? You know, just a scripture that popped into my head. I want to read you something. Watch this. <clears throat> it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but it's written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God's prepared for them that love him. 
And I used to look at that scripture and say, wow, I can't even imagine what God has for us. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered in the heart of man the things that God's prepared. But what does verse 10 say? But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches the deep things of God and makes it known unto us. So I do have some idea in my heart what the Lord is preparing for us. I can't see it perfectly. But I see there's a tree of life. I see that Jesus is there. I see 144,000 who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. I see there's a temple there. I see that it's filled with vast numbers of people and holy angels and that we will go to other planets and visit them, sharing the story of redemption through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But he, the gulf that has was made by sin has been spanned by the cross of Calvary. A full, complete ransom has been paid by Jesus, by virtue of which the sinner's pardon and justice of the law is maintained. All who believe that Christ is the atoning sacrifice may come and receive pardon for their sins, for through the merit of Christ, communication has been opened between God and man. You see, he is the latter. He is the mediator. Christ is a ladder, the base is resting upon the earth, the top reaching to the highest heavens, the broken links have been repaired, and a highway has been thrown open along which the weary and heavy laden may pass, they may enter heaven and find rest. Jesus, it's through Christ that I have access once again, and my prayers are acceptable unto the Father. It's through his death and his resurrection that I can believe in a resurrection for me should I die or a translation to heaven alive because of what Jesus has done. See, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So there, don't you love this first sentence? There are not many ways to heaven. Each one may not choose his own way. Christ says, I'm the way. No man comes to the Father except by me. He was the way when Adam lived, when Abel presented to God the blood of the slain lamb, representing the blood of the Redeemer. Christ was the way by which patriarchs and prophets were saved. He is the way by which alone we can have access to God. Now watch this. Must we wait until we are translated before we eat of the leaves of the tree of life? Wow. That's a great question. He who receives into his heart the words of Christ knows what it means to eat the leaves of the tree of life. And when I was putting this presentation together, I went, ah, oh, aha, I got it. That the leaf of the trees of life is right here in my hand. This is the word of God, and guess what? These are the leaves. The leaves are the pages of the book. And I had someone, I was given this presentation. She says, I'm Italian, and the word is used for the leaves is pages. She said the word, and I went, thank you for that. <laughs> but do you get it? What he's saying is, if you want to make it to the kingdom, 
then you need to eat the leaves of the tree. Don't follow me. This gets really good. In his efforts to reach God's ideal for him, the Christian is the despair of nothing, moral and spiritual perfection. Through the grace and power of Christ is promised to all. Jesus is a source of power, the fountain of life. He brings us to his word and from the tree of life presents to us leaves for the healing of the nations. The leaves to bring you to moral and spiritual perfection through the grace and the power of God. You know, if Christ does the work in me, it's through his divine power and his grace. Why do I want to hold on to any concept that overcoming sin in my life through the power and the grace of God that the Lord can't do it 100%? If he's the author and the finisher of your faith, you know, I sit there, I say, I used to look at pornography, he took it away from me. I did marijuana, he took away the drugs. I was an alcoholic, he took away the alcohol. I wasn't faithful, I'd wake up in beds and, and didn't even know the woman's name. And, and he took it all away from me. And my mother looked at me and she says, you look like my son and you sound like my son, but you're not my son. And I quoted the Bible. Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I live by the faith, I live, the life that I live now is by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I said, Mom, your son looked like him, I sound like him. But I wasn't doing the things of my old nature. Jesus was living in me. I hated the things I once loved. And I recoil from those things today. The living oracles of God, it is written, are the leaves of the tree of life, which human beings are to eat in order to gain spiritual life. As we eat the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, they become unto us eternal life. The words that I speak unto you, and this is where many times I think we lose it as Adventists. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. What does that mean? They're spirit. I mean, we're very well versed in the law. But sometimes I don't think we're very well versed in the spirit. What does that mean, they're spirit, to you? You know what it means to me? It means it's supernatural. It means it's spiritual. It means that beholding and by eating this diet of this book, I can be transformed into a spiritual nature that God will put within me, a spiritual life in me through his power. Doesn't the Bible say that, that we can be partakers of the divine nature? Doesn't the Bible say in Romans chapter 8, I love this one, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And it says, 
For the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, it was weak in the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So what is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has set me free from the law of sin and death? Again, what is that? Keep following me. To all who believe he is the tree of life. In the paradise of God, his branches reach to this world that the blessing which he has purchased for us may be brought within our reach. He has given us a comforter, the Holy Spirit, which will present to us the precious fruit from the tree of life. From this tree we may pluck and eat, and we may then guide others to it, and they may also eat. He will fill us with his spirit. And by the power of his spirit, Danny becomes a new creature born from above. And old things pass away. All things become new. I haven't touched alcohol in 30 years. I couldn't give it up. You know, I prayed. When I was finding Jesus, I was going on a detox program. And the Lord was cleansing my body of the impurities. It was quite a story. What came out of me. But at the same time, I was seeking Christ for my spiritual cleansing. At the same time, I'm having a physical cleansing. He was teaching me the health message and the gospel and says, look, you will always keep these two together because I want to restore you completely. So I'm giving you, and my daughter said, you learn best by experience. So I got the experience of the physical detox. And now I was going to get the experience of the spiritual detox beautiful so I was praying God I believe you're there deliver me from alcohol I can't stop drinking and I didn't realize it but my prayer was answered and the Lord started to work within my life and you know what he did I used to like to drink the silver bullet Coors Light and I loved drinking beer, and I was working out with weights, and I was a bodybuilder getting drunk on Friday and Saturday nights, taking stress packs of vitamins on Sunday morning because of the hangover, you know. I owned the health food store, so I'd study what's good for hangovers because I wasn't about ready to give up drinking. But you know what? I was drinking the alcohol, and one day... I had finished a bodybuilding contest. I picked up a Coors Light. I drank it, and I got this pain about right here. And it began to expand and cause extreme pressure and pain. And then it moved up the esophagus into my face and felt like my face was going to explode. Excruciating pain put down the beer, it went away. Whew, carbonation. Picked up, <laughs> picked up the beer, took some more, same reaction. Did it three times, I put down the beer and I said, what's happening to me? What's happening to me? Lord, deliver me from alcohol. I don't associate the two. I think, I guess God's just going to go, it's gone. 
Don't ever have another craving again. So I switched to hard liquor. And I got so drunk one night on vodka and Kahlua, I woke up the next morning, what did I do last night? I better call my friends and find out what I did last night because I don't remember. And I looked in the mirror and I went, ah! Half my face was deformed. It looked like a monster's face. And I went like this, ah, ah. And I thought, carbonation, allergic reaction. It's got to be an allergic reaction. Lord, deliver me from alcohol. So I switched to wine. In Italian, they call it testa dura, hard-headed. So I got so drunk on rot gut wine, spagnata, 99 cents a bottle. My dad owned the liquor store. And I woke up in the middle of the night in a gutter next to a dead cat. And I looked over and I went, oh, I think you're better off than I am right now. <laughs> and while you're laying in the gutter and you get this message from heaven, we interrupt this program to bring you the following information. I've answered your prayer. See, I've experienced the power of God in my own life. Serious transformation, serious miracles. I mean, they don't stop. And he's still working because I'm undone. He wants me to grow up to the fullness, to press for the high calling to the mark, to be part of those people that stand without fault before the throne of God that are called virgins, that have the Father's name written in their foreheads. See, I want to follow Jesus wherever he goes. That's my heart's desire because he seemed to follow me wherever I went. He said, well, I'll just wait outside of the saloon and when you come out, I'll have a word with you. His branches reach to this world that the blessings which he's purchased for us may be brought within our reach. He's given us a comforter, the Holy Spirit, which will present to us the precious fruit of the tree of life. From this tree we may pluck and eat, and then we may guide others to it that they may also eat. See, that's what happened. Because of his love and his reaching me while I was dead in my trespasses and sins, waking me up through the power of his Holy Spirit, taking me, putting me into a health food store next to a book and Bible house. You know what happened there? As I was finding Jesus and I'm detoxifying my body and I'm learning how to detoxify my soul, I was so grateful to him. I just loved him so much that I wanted to learn what was the truth. So I brought in a seven-day Adventist and I brought in a Baptist and I brought in someone from the Church of Christ. And I said, I don't want to live my life of sin anymore, but I don't know where to go to church. There's got to be a real one out there. And so I looked at the man from this one denomination, and he's got cigarettes in his pocket. And I said, you smoke? He goes, yeah, I'm saved by grace. You drink too? Yeah, I'm saved by grace. I said, well, that's what I want to leave, so I'll skip you. Who's next? <laughs> and I went to the next one, and I said, okay, to the Adventist. 
Remember, I bought this Adventist health food store. Never heard of an Adventist. I thought Sunday was the seventh day of the week. And now I'm sitting there wondering where to go to church because God did miracles in my life. <clears throat> in fact, one of them was when I was married the first time, my wife lost a baby. It was a trisomy 18. It was a genetic defect. It was deaf, dumb, and blind. It was a vegetable. And I was atheist at the time. And when the doctor came out and says, what do you want to do? And I go, what do you mean? Life support or do you want to let nature take its course? And I cried out to God and I didn't even know who he was. I didn't even believe in him anymore. So when my next wife got pregnant with our first child, I was in the labor room on my knees and I said this, if you're really there, give me this child and I'll give you my life. And I want to explain to you how I know the Holy Spirit. There was a peace that came over me in that room. A peace that I find very difficult to describe in words. There was a peace that you knew you were healed. There was a peace that you know. And the Lord said, the child is See, I'm afraid well, I'll have another vegetable. But the child is fine. But six months later, I'm tossing her in the air. I'm high on marijuana. I'm drinking alcohol. I'm throwing her in the air at a party. And my friend says to me, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to make her laugh. He says, look at her face. She's crying. And the Lord did it again. You're drunk. You're high. I gave you this child. What have you done for me? Nothing. That's when I prayed, deliver me from alcohol. And that's why, as you read that last sentence, we may then guide others to it that they may also eat. I can't stop. It's programmed in me because of my experience with the Lord Jesus Christ to tell everybody at all times and all opportunities about my Lord and my Savior, about his health program. So let all bear in mind that the tree of life bears 12 manners of fruits. Watch this. This represents, what? What do the fruits represent? The spiritual work of our earthly missions. The word of God is to us the tree of life, and every portion of the scripture has its use. And every part of the word is some lesson to be learned. Then learn, did you hear this? How to study your Bibles. If this is the tree of life, and in there these leaves are spiritual, and by eating them I can be transformed into his image and his likeness through the power of the Holy Ghost, why in the world wouldn't I want to learn to study my Bible? How much are we paying for our Netflix subscriptions? How much time? You know, we need to have a, you know, kind of like a sign on the refrigerator and says, do you open the Bible as often as you open the refrigerator? We need to set our spiritual priorities in place. Because how can you grow without eating? The book is not a heap of odds and ends. It's an educator. 
And the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the words of Christ. He will enlighten the mind and guide the research. So the man who loves God bears the fruit of a branch vitally connected with the vine. And here it is. As he has opportunity, he does good. And everywhere, at all times, and in all places, he finds opportunity to work for God. He is one of the Lord's evergreen trees. And he carries the fragrance wherever he goes. I'll never forget, I'm on an airplane returning from some state. I went and did a weekend seminars. And I went back to the bathroom and there was a bit of a line. And I get talking to some person and they say, so what do you do? Well, I said, I'm in ministry and I, I like to educate people in health principles and blend it with the gospel message. Oh, really? That's interesting. What's the name of your ministry? And I'm sitting there talking, and, and, and the people around now, I realized I was having church in the back of the plane. They're turned around in their seats. Amen, brother. Amen. So I raised my voice up. 30,000 feet altitude. You're presenting Jesus to people and that's a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. <clears throat> so seek to be an evergreen tree. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, do you, can you put together the dots? You know, I just completed, I don't know why at my age, I'm going to be 64 years old, but all of a sudden I had a desire to put together a puzzle. Puzzle. What do I want a puzzle? Puzzle? I did a puzzle when I was a young boy with my mother. I go buy a thousand-piece puzzle, and I notice, I teach people all the time, to me, these scriptures are like pieces of a puzzle. And there's thousands of pieces. And as you study your Bible and you connect the pieces, you see the picture. And so as I study, I want to see the picture. I see the picture of God's grace, his love, Jesus, the cross. I see it vividly. And then you get books like The Desire of Ages and Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing and Christ Object Lessons, you know, and Ministry of Healing. And you read that and you got this beautiful puzzle building. And as I'm putting together the earthly puzzle, my wife sits there and says, oh, you really find fun in this? I said, you know what I find in this? I find focus, concentration, short-term memory, visual accuracy, I said, I'm stimulating all the parts of my brain. And it's amazing because I'm over here looking at this piece and I, my mind says, oh, that looks like that one way over here. So if you numbered all the pieces, let's say that's piece 122 and I'm trying to put it in a place, but it belongs over here. And I went, oh, boom. And she watches me and goes, how'd you do that? I said, you know what? I'm stimulating my brain rather than watching movies with vulgarity, with killing, with stealing, with robbery, with lying and cheating. I asked my mother once. I said, Mom, you believe in killing? No. Do you believe in stealing? No. Do you believe in adultery? No. I said, why do you keep watching it? Oh, it's just Hollywood. By beholding you become changed. And you know what happens? Here's what happens. 
here's the Bible, and here's Netflix. And you start indulging. And where's your desire going to be? Same thing in eating the wrong diet. You start eating the wrong foods, and pretty soon you crave the wrong foods instead of the right foods. Well, the movies are the wrong foods. This is the right food. Wear the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Cherish the grace of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. This is the fruit of the Christian tree. Planted by the rivers of water, it always brings forth its fruit in due season. So look what the Bible says. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. So blessed is the man. We know this in Psalms 1, 1 through 3. But watch it now in light of this presentation. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law does he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf, you see all three are there, shall not wither. And look at the promise. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. Isn't that beautiful? When you're connected to the vine, you are his branch. And the life that was in the vine, or is in the vine, carries to the life that's in the branch. I think of 2 Corinthians 4.11, that the life that was also in Christ Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. I think the greatest work that you could possibly do is to lead a soul to salvation. Do you understand that? Yes, Jesus is the one that saves, but you may be the instrument that he uses to bring that soul to a knowledge of him and his grace for salvation. There's nothing that compares. You know, I have a picture. I don't think it was in the last presentation. You may see it. But at the Lifestyle Center, I had a man come who was a Muslim. <clears throat> and he came from Iran. His two sons are Adventists. They're in ministry. And they said, my dad has cancer. Can you take him at Bella Vida and try to help him? And I was preaching a presentation on Jesus like this. And I'll never forget, as I watched the spirit move, the man jumped up out of his chair crying and said, I love Jesus. I want Jesus. And he came to me and hugged me, and I'm holding him as he's weeping in my, on my shoulder. And they were taking a picture. They said, don't take a picture of his face because when he goes back to Iran, they'll kill him. Because I put it on Facebook, but you just see his back. But he found the Lord. You know. I'll never forget his son said to me, he says, you know, and I don't know, I'm just going to say this. But he said to me, you know, sometimes we argue that Muslims and the Christians worship the same God. 
But if you study it out, Allah didn't have a son. And, and you better believe in the son. And that's Jesus. So how can they be the same God? So they that be called shall be called what? This is us. Trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So I have a lifestyle center that we've operated 17 years. And look at this statement. Our sanitariums are to be schools in which instruction shall be given in medical missionary lines. They are to bring to sin-sick souls the leaves of the tree of life which will restore to them peace and hope and faith in Jesus Christ. See, when you study the health message in light of the gospel, it's called the entering wedge. And if you go back to my presentation at 11 o'clock, when I showed that Jesus was teaching, preaching, and healing, and there was a great fame that went out, and they brought all sick people unto him, because he is the source of life and healing, Right? So when I look at this, when people come to the sanitarium, it's interesting to me. I had a man from Church of Scientology call me up, and he says, you know, I'm interested in your lifestyle center, but do you preach Jesus? I said, yes, and I'm not going to stop. Because I want you healed. I said, but if you're big enough to accept what I have to offer, and let me preach Christ, and you glean whatever you want out of that, then you can come. And he came. I remember the time that I had one man sitting over to my right, and I said, hmm, he looks like a Catholic priest. And he was in civilian clothes. Now, but going to Catholic schools for 12 years and being an altar boy, there was just something about this guy I could see a black coat and a white collar. So I was sitting in the sauna with him, and I said, how am I going to approach him <clears throat> and ask the question? So I did it this way. I said, have you ever been to seminary? He said, yeah. Which one? He goes, I'm a Catholic priest. I go, I thought so. 17 years. And we took a cancer off his back with black salve, healed his diabetes, healed his blood pressure. And then when I was given a presentation that I may do the next hour on spiritual digestion and assimilation, I was going in what it meant to eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus. Because in Catholicism, they believe in transubstantiation, that in order to eat the body of Christ, the Eucharist literally becomes, through a miracle, the body and the flesh of the body of Christ, that you eat him and you drink the blood. So when I came to the interpretation that I was teaching the group, what it meant to eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus, he started taking notes. And I said, See, I was leading him to what it meant to accept Christ as a personal Savior and to take his love in. And you know, after he left, one day I got a call a couple years later, and he said, called me on the phone, and he says, 
Danny, do you remember me? And he said, Father George, whatever his name was. And I go, yeah, I do. He says, well, the cancer never came back. The diabetes is still gone, and my blood pressure's normalized. But pray for me. I got my Vitamix and my juicer and my dehydrator and my water purifier. He said, so you're doing pretty good. He goes, yeah, but pray for me. I go, what's up? He says, I'm going to be presenting God's natural doctors in the Catholic Church this afternoon, and I ask you for prayer. See, you never know when you're an evergreen tree and those leaves extend down, those branches to where somebody can pluck them. You never know what fruit, as they eat of it, what the Spirit can do through your work of touching hearts. I had a Mormon there once, the High Council of the Mormon Church. He was so moved by the presentations of Daniel and the diet test and Bella Vida and, and our methods of healing the sick and the eight laws of health and the herbs and the charcoal and the hydrotherapy, all of this, that he said, you know, Sunday I have to leave because I speak twice in the Mormon church today, but can I bring a bunch of flyers and guess what I'm preaching on? And I go, what? He says, Daniel chapter 1. So the Church of Scientology, the Roman Catholic priests, the Mormons, the atheists, through the entering wedge, do you get this? You can't, you can't put Christ out of it. Just bring them health. You're not doing what God's asked you to do. And I firmly believe this, that he will bless you when you do it his way. Trust in the Lord in all thy heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he will direct thy path. So I sat there and here at the end of Bella Vida, I had so, such a wonderful Bella Vida last time. It was difficult, very difficult. One seven-day Adventist pastor came, poor guy, flew all the way. I didn't want to take him. He's too advanced. We're not a hospital. He comes and he's got liver cancer, fourth stage, and he can't eat. And I'm sitting there, he, he's, he's not doing well. I, I'm pressing on his ankles, and so much water retention, edema, ascites. And, and I said, you got to get him to the hospital. They bring him to the hospital. He's got pneumonia. He had a stent placed to clean, clean the gallbladder and the bile duct. It's infected. He's got ascites, edema. He had not only tumors all over the liver, but tumors in the pancreas. And he stayed in the hospital 16 days. But there were two people there. I had all Adventists and two non-Adventists. And these two non-Adventists, it's really interesting when you're giving these Bible studies, and I never um, hide Jesus, I won't. I tell him from the very beginning, Christ will be the center of the program. But I'm going into my presentations and I'm going into Jesus. And I ask, and you know, I want to show you a scripture, and I quote it, and the non-Adventists are telling me where it is in the Bible now. And so I do that now. I, I say, come on. When I learned, God put me in front of an ex-Bible teacher for 30 years who was a principal, vice principal in the Adventist school system. When I went into the Adventist church for the second time in my life and heard a presentation on Daniel 7, I didn't know anything about the word. And so I'm sitting across from this man at lunch, and I, 
he's talking to me about Christ. And I said, what do you do? He says, well, I'm a retired Bible teacher. And I said, would you teach me? He said, sure. You know, I get these messages as I'm speaking, so I have to say them. And here's what I'm hearing. (laughs) So when I went to his home for a year and a half and sat there for hours on Tuesday, and he would take me through the everlasting covenant and the everlasting gospel, and he'd show me the word of God and and Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and David to Jesus. He would just walk me through the scriptures, connecting the dots and putting the puzzle together in front of my eyes that I could see the picture, not just the pieces. But he said to me one day, you're the best student I've ever had. Now, I'm not trying to say, praise me, look at me, how great I am, please hear me. Because... It's for every one of us. He said, you're the best student I've ever had. I said, you're a Bible teacher in the Adventist system. I haven't been to Adventist school in one second of my life. You're the best student I ever had. I said, why? He says, I'll tell you why. And it's for you. He says, studying the word of God is hugely important. Prayer is hugely important. But what I watch you do is as quickly as you get it, you give it away. You're constantly giving away. And God did something miraculous. He'd give me a study on the everlasting covenant. I had a public health food store next to the book and Bible house. And some man would come in and at the counter, lo and behold, two days later, I'm in a theological discussion with a theologian from the Pentecostal church on the everlasting covenant. And I'm going, oh, I got to pull out my sword and... The Lord was helping me learn, grow. Keep giving it away and you'll grow the fastest. And that's what my Bible teacher told me. He says, you will grow the fastest if you give away what God gives you. That's why we do a school to educate people in medical missionary evangelism. We got 183 videos or more now up on YouTube free. We got 250. 50 newsletters, the Elijah prophecy, trying to educate the public free. Somebody calls me up and says, how do you cleanse those gallstones naturally? And I said, go to modernmana.org, click on the archives to the newsletter, and number 110 is how to cleanse the gallbladder naturally of stones. There's articles already there. Thank you. And I get a call from an assistant pastor to Doug Batchelor, who's at a hospital with a woman who's going to have gallbladder surgery the next morning. Danny, I've heard you speak before. What's that recipe to clean the stones? She's in the hospital? Yeah. They said we could do it. Really? Well, go get Epsom salts. Go get some fresh apple juice. Get the olive oil. Get the lemon juice. And I'll show you how to mix it and do all this. And so she's scheduled for surgery the next morning, but instead she's released from the hospital because the enzyme count has gone down and the jaundice is reversed and the nausea is reversed and they said it must have freed itself, the stone that was blocking the duct. I had one lady, my mother-in-law, had a blocked stone. They're going to put her into surgery or she'll die. I agree. So I said, drink the Italian salad dressing mix I make. 
the olive oil, the garlic. And she said, well, I can't. I, I got a blocked duck. I said, so what do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? She drank it, knocked it out, knocked it free, surgery canceled. I had a lady with a splenectomy, going to have her spleen removed. She's crying in front of me. I said, do the 10-day cleanse. At the end of the 10 days, I'll go with you to the hospital or to the doctor's office for the pre-op appointment. And I said, we'll see what happens. I walk in with her. I sit in the waiting room. She goes into the doctor. She comes out. She's dancing. Surgery canceled. The spleen shrunk. A 12-year-old boy ready to have his spleen taken out. I just did a radio show with a medical doctor on alternative natural remedies and healing for children. And in the book, and beyond antibiotics, it was saying one of the side effects of the abuse of antibiotics is an enlarged spleen. So they're ready to take out the spleen of a 12-year-old. I just did the radio show. See how God works? Just did the radio show. This lady's walking by the ministry and is impressed, she said, to come inside and ask about her son. She doesn't even know what the place is. And I told her, I said, well, so you use a lot of dairy products? Yeah. I said, that's why he's getting the earaches and the amoxicillin and the recurrent infections and how about... We stopped the dairy. you got to ascertain the cause and remove it if you want to get rid of the symptom. And then we gave him probiotic, garlic, golden seal, berberine. Broad-spectrum antibiotic in nature. Guess what? Spleen trunk surgery canceled. See, these are the things. See, what I do, if somebody comes to me and they got a problem, I give a little silent prayer to heaven. And as he directed, you know, the prophets of old, whether it's a fig poultice, whether it's dipping in the water seven times, whether Jesus himself puts the clay to the blind man's eyes, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar eating grass, wheat grass, for seven years, that's a detergent to the bloodstream and help restore his reasoning. That the God of heaven can reveal natural remedies to you today. Lord, what is... I had one lady walk in. Pain upon intercourse. I went, what? She was young. Recently married. She brings in a medical folder this big of all the doctors she's gone to. They can't figure out what's wrong with her. So I give a little prayer to heaven and I said, Lord, I don't know what's wrong with her. I'm not an OBGYN. I don't, I don't have any idea. And you know what I heard? Essential fatty acids. Vitamin F. Black currant oil. Evening primrose oil. Pumpkin seed oil. Flaxseed oil. These plant sterols that help balance the female reproductive system. So if you have one nutritional deficiency, it can set off a whole set of symptoms. So a physician's trained in drug therapy and symptom and what drug to recommend to alleviate symptom. I'm trained to recognize nutritional deficiency and symptom that if I want to get rid of the symptom, I need to provide the nutrient that's missing. Because many times nutritionally, a nutritional problem. So what happened? $9.95 
bottle of plant sterols. I remember it was by a company called Enzymatic Therapy. In two weeks, she calls me up. She says, improve 95%. Two weeks on plant sterols. Watch. In every large city, Bakersfield, California, there should be a representation of true medical missionary work. The principles of genuine health reform are to be brought out in clear lines in our health publications, in our lectures delivered to the patients in our sanitariums. In every city, there are men and women who would go to a sanitarium were it near at hand. Somebody came up to me on lunch and says, there's not many of these sanitariums around. I said, no, there aren't. they aren't. He says, well, there's supposed to be a lot of them. And I said, now watch, and maybe he's sitting here, no offense. But he says, <clears throat> the people got to get moving. And you know what my answer always is? Well, what about you? You see a great need, but what, do you want others to do it? You see my point? No, you do it. See, when I found Jesus at that health food store as an atheist next to a book and Bible house, Adventist, you know what he did? It was amazing. He opens up a window, a door, and God says, I set before thee an open door and no man shall shut it. I'm on Pentecostal radio for 17 years. Pentecostal radio. And I, I'm going to be frank with you. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm, I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I just see that when man shuts a door, God opens another. But I was doing health classes and <clears throat> cooking schools at the Adventist church in Lodi, and they said, you're not allowed to do them here anymore. I was shocked. Why? Because we said so. What did I do? And I was puzzled. And I wept. Is it because I'm saying no dairy products? Have I offended somebody? Um, do they think I'm legalistic? I'm trying to eat my way to heaven? I mean, what's going on here? But here's what happened. They shut the door, and in a week... I get on Pentecostal radio 55 minutes a week free for 17 years. And that same week, I get a phone call from Pentecostal television, the Ron and Connie House show in Concord, and says, will you be a guest on our TV show and talk about Daniel's diet? Certainly. The same week, I get contacted by the college in the town. San Joaquin Delta College, and they said, um, would you be interested in teaching your cooking class at the college? I go, what? The college. I said, well, I use the Bible and I pray, <laughs> and I'm not going to stop. And she says, well, that's a good history book. I think it would be okay. So 17 years that began with Pentecostal radio, television, the college, in the week the door shut. Do you hear me? 
So if, if I was unlike any other student the Bible teacher had, that, that as soon as I learn it, I'd give it away, the Lord says, I'll open doors. Keep giving it away and go to the highways and the byways. And you call them to the wedding. And if my own won't come, I will provide the wedding garments. It's our time. It's our day. You have leadership in this church that is behind you in this medical missionary work. This, is, this church has, has been such a blessing.